All right, welcome to the Nothing But Jesus podcast, where we talk old thing, old things God to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and for building up of the body of Christ. Thank you so much for checking out this podcast, and I really hope God will bless you and help you through us. This is our first time doing a podcast, so we're just going to bounce off each other and allow the Spirit of God to move, and we'll see where we go from here. This is a duo, and I'm the son of the duo. My name is Jacob, and this is my father of the duo, Mike. And our goal of these podcasts is really by the Spirit of God to help you in your work with work in the ministry, in your walk with Christ. We are called to serve and not be served, so this is our service to you. Today we are talking about peace in a chaotic world. The main question is how do we find peace in such a chaotic world? As we're going through and I've been through a, a pandemic as we get lingering thoughts of food and supply chain shortages, all these wars and rumors of wars in Ukraine and Russia and things that are happening in Shanghai where people are locked up and unable to get food and all sorts of evil and wicked events that are just happening around us. All these things are added on top of the daily battle of life. And we're just trying to help our family, keep relationships going. We're trying to follow God the best that we can, trying to take care of the people around us and trying to be a light to those around us. And with evil running rampant in the streets, it's hard to find any sort of peace in this world. And so today we're hoping by the spirit of the Lord that we'd be able to help you find the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. So what do you think, Dad? How can a believer find comfort or peace in such a chaotic time? Well, peace is a, a big subject. Um, most of the world is seeking for it. And in fact, all of the world seeks for it. And they seek for it in different ways. Um, some people seek for it in money, obviously, because you feel, if I have enough money, I can uh, take care of myself. And uh, some people seek it in people, relationships, because they're yearning for some sort of peace. So they're using other people to attain that. There's many different ways that people search for it. Now, finding it is a different uh, ballgame. How do we find it? I've searched for it uh, most of my life. Uh, unsure if I even thought I was in turmoil. I didn't really look at my life as in turmoil, but uh, it was. It was in turmoil, and I was looking for peace in probably all the wrong places. Peace, that, that inner sense of um, tranquility, that basically that everything is going to be all right that everything is going to be okay. When we're in that place, in that little zone, there's a comfort that's there. There's a, there's a sweetness about life when you have that sort of peace that covers you. So humanity is always trying to find it somewhere. And basically, I think most of life is looking. We're looking for it, and most people are looking for it. And I saw rich people that are not at peace, uh, poor people, not at peace. I've seen some rich people with peace and some poor people with peace. So it's kind of a thing that is kind of hairy-fairy for most people. So in so many different directions you could go in with this, but I just want to point it to uh, one direction at the moment. Now, I'm not going to say that what I'm going to say is, is it encompasses everything because it doesn't. It's, it's, a, it's a subject that has many different talking points, many different directions. Uh, but the main thing that for my life was coming to a place of what we call letting go. And letting go is important. It's uh, the releasing 
of all the things that we want or think that we need. And Jesus was that kind of a person that challenged people to release and give them their lives. He said, you know, submit your life completely to me. Give your life completely over to God. And it's a sense of abandonment, a sense of giving up, which is counterintuitive to the world because the world is about striving. It's about achieving. It's about, you know, getting your goals set and then achieving your goals. And, you know, you could say, well, that's valid. I mean, you don't want to sit around the couch. I agree. It's valid to set some goals. But the world is about striving for things. So, okay, so you take someone who's good at it, or maybe he's just blessed with his circumstances. He has backing from his parents, maybe, or he has some sort of luck, or, or he's just very smart, very brilliant. They can find some semblance of uh, order in their life through money. Um, they're, they're probably pretty good at it. But even those people can't find a real peace that they thought they would find at the end of that road. So basically, there's a different way that God looks at it. And the Lord, when he pointed it out to people, I don't know if he was totally well received. It's like the rich young ruler when God said to him, you know, give all, all you have. The Lord wanted to instill peace in his life. But that was the very thing that was against his idea of peace. He was challenged with something actually that was uh, totally the opposite. So God, you got to understand the ways of the world are one way, but God says my ways will become the opposite of the world. They won't become, they won't flow with the world, never. The, the God's ways flow against the world. So anyway, you're, you're thinking, and you're saying to yourself, well, this is the way I've been trained. This is the way I should seek peace. This is what my parents taught me. This is what school taught me. You could pretty much say that when you meet Christ, he's going to take you a completely different direction. Yeah. And, and one of the directions is he's saying, let go. You yeah. say, he said ridiculous things. Like like you uh, said, said to that man, the rich young ruler, sell all you have, give to the poor, sell all you have, which is ridiculous. Uh, why would anyone want to do that? And he said to his disciples, if you want to be my disciple, you must give up everything you have, everything, and come follow me. And when he spoke to them about their families, about their moms and their dads and their wives and their children, he said, you must love me way, way more than you love them. You must almost give up these things to follow me. Uh, which is, for logical reasons, not a good thing. The first will be last, and the last will be first. Yeah, but that's not the way the world system works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever Jesus said was always going against what the world thought was right. So the world believes one way, and I believe that the enemy has set it up the exact opposite of the kingdom of God, where you think that I have to get to a certain status point, I have to get to a certain point in my life in order for me to feel comfortable and at peace in life. It's I have to get to this level of money and income. I have to get to this status in life, have these relationships. And in order, once I get those things, then I'll be good. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be at peace. And we find that there's a lot of people out there who have gotten to that point and still are still searching for that peace that um, so many people are talking about. And I think that, yeah, that's why it's so difficult to find peace because it runs counterintuitive to all that we've ever known and been taught. 
and all that we've known to be, shall we say, reasonable. We all want to be reasonable people. We all want to look intelligent, sound intelligent. But when you look at what God asks you to do, it doesn't seem intelligent, I mean, according to the world. It just seems to go against logic. I mean, to give up all that you have to follow him, to give up things, it is not logical in this world. Yeah, You can't apply logic to it. So that's why it's very difficult, I believe, for people to find peace. Because basically we're very unwilling to give up what we already know, what we've learned and what's so intuitive to us, so part of our worldview. And maybe that's why it's difficult to find people with total peace because it's so the narrow is the road for sure. And few there be that find it yeah. because the world is pushing against it. Yeah. So you, you have to be looking ridiculous many times in order to follow God and have peace. Are you willing to surrender your life in that fashion? I mean, we could speak it, but are we willing? Yeah, because it says to submit yourself to God and then resist the devil. You have this world of distractions where it's, in this day and age, a lot of distractions where it's pulling you to the left, to the right. And it's like the world is all coming against you. As Paul says, we don't fight against flesh and blood. So Mm. we're fighting against spirits and they're all trying to pull against us in one way, in a different way. And the world's distracting us, our phone, our life, uh, people in our lives, all pulling us in different directions. And the only way that we can find true peace is, again, the narrow path where we're saying we're submitting to God and then resisting the devil. And through that submission to God, through that surrenderance to God, saying, God, you can have it all, through that we're able to resist the devil. And therefore, we the confusion of life, the, the chaos of life, and the things that are going on in your life just seem to dim down because it's like now your focus is completely on God. Now you're able to resist the distractions, the temptations, and the evil of the world. But if you don't submit to God, it's like everything's trying to grab your attention. Everything's trying to pull you to the left or to the right, and you're getting confused and you're overwhelmed. But once we submit to God and surrender to God and say, we'll deny ourselves and pick up our cross daily and follow him, that's when we're able to truly see God as the Prince of Peace. Because then we find it very hard to find him as the Prince of Peace when everything else is trying to trying to get our attention but when we get in the word and just start to talk to him and start to see him who we, for who he truly is we start to find that there truly is peace in this world and we're trying there's able we're able to find peace through god in this world mm-hmm. precisely yeah uh i i think what we need to do is is um well we had to believe the bible always talks about that believe have faith in order to have faith and to believe you've got to trust someone I think trust could come before belief. You have to trust in order to believe. So you have to trust God. And that's that's not always easy to do. I think it's a process probably for most people. For some people, I've seen them be born again and they just trust God, which is about everything. And I believe that's true. Uh, but for others, there seems to be a process of letting go and trusting God. That's a big thing. So you trust, then you can believe. So if I trust God, then I believe him because I trust him. Yeah. He's going to take care of me no matter what situation I'm in. Yeah. What comes to mind is, is Peter. Peter's the only one who got out of the boat. So with Peter, and, and don't miss it, the story, because the story is really fascinating. Because here's Peter. He's in the boat, 
and all the other guys are in the boat. Jesus is walking on the water. It's a big storm, but Jesus should not be walking on the water. That should not be happening. They're scared. He's a ghost, so they're all afraid. So he sees this thing happening that should not be happening. It goes against every law of science, every law of the planet. It's just, it's just ridiculous. But for some reason, Peter has a ridiculous thought. He said, okay, Lord, if that's you out there where you're not supposed to be, call me and I'll, I want to come and join you. And Jesus spoke to him and said, come out, come out. I'm calling you, come out. So Peter stepped outside of the boat. We all know that's like the comfort zone of your life. This is the boat is a thing that keeps you afloat. Everybody knows you need a boat. If you go on water, you're in a boat. If you're not in a boat, you're in danger. So it's very logical to stay in your boat until you get to a shoreline. But Peter saw Jesus in a certain place and he said, Lord, that looks really crazy to me. But I want to go. I want to try this out. Yeah. So he steps out and he's the only human outside of Jesus that actually walked on water. And walking on water is a place where you're not supposed to be. Understand that. Get it into your mind that when God asks you to step out, you're going to go to places that you're not supposed to be. That's what your mind's going to tell you. You can't, you can't do this. You, you, this can't work. It's impossible. Jesus was in an impossible place, and he invited Peter to go to the impossible place. I feel that God is always asking people to walk on water. That means leave all of um, normal human reasoning, I should say. I don't mean crazy, like, you know, go jump off a building, kind of leave your reasoning. But he's going to take you to spiritual places and places in the world where really you're not supposed to be. You're trusting him in such a fashion yeah. that you're not supposed to be. You're not supposed to. So you got to get used to the uncomfortable feeling when you're following God and, and you're letting go. Is that you're going to have a thought in your mind that you're not supposed to do this. This is, this is not normal. Yeah. According to what the world would say. But you're releasing it. And you're saying, I want to go. I want to walk on water. I want to do something different. And just allow yourself to actually to be different, to think different. Yeah, I mean, Peter did something all the other disciples didn't want to do, and that was to walk on water. And when Peter was on the water, it was chaotic. It was a storm. They were in the middle of a storm, so they were already they were already a bit frazzled by that. And they see Jesus walking in the water, and Peter's out there too. So it's not like it was all peaceful out there, but what he had was his eyes locked on Jesus and. When he had eyes on Jesus, he was at peace. He was good. He was walking on the water. But it's when he started looking at the chaos of the world and being distracted again, that's when he lost faith in what Jesus was doing, walking on water. So I think it's it's important to know that you're going to walk on water, but it's still going to be chaotic around you. It's still going to be chaos. The world's not going to all just snap into place when you start walking on the water. Actually, it's probably going to get scarier and a little more crazier than when you were on the boat. But this is the thing. You keep your eyes on Jesus, and it's like he has that peace that surpasses all understanding. And on the topic of Peter, he says in 1 Peter 5, 7, um, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I think that's so important. As my dad was talking about trusting in the Lord, it's a process of going and trusting in God, trusting and putting your faith. You have to believe that he actually does care for you. And if you believe that he first cares for you, then everything else will come into, into place. Because if you first don't care, if you if if you think someone doesn't care about you, 
you're not going to go to them. You're not going to find rest in them. You're not going to find peace in them. You're not going to be around them. But when you find out and truly believe in your heart that God cares for you, that's when everything else just starts to fall into place. That's when everything else just starts to be more peaceful because you find out that the creator of the universe, the Alpha and Omega, actually cares about the little things and the big things in your life. From the big old work, job, doing all these other things in your life to the small things of what's annoying you in daily life. And all these types of things God cares about from the smallest to the biggest. And when you start to learn and embrace that God actually cares about you in these things, and he actually cares about the situations going on in your life, it'll totally change your life. And that just leads into kind of what I wanted to talk out of Philippians 4, 4 to 9, which was kind of as I was studying about or trying to get a, what to say about peace. This is kind of what the Lord led me to talking about Philippians 4, 4 to 9. So Philippians is obviously Paul is talking out of jail, right? He's in jail and he's been in prison for uh, who knows how long he was in prison for. But what do you think that how many times do you think he mentioned prayer in Philippians? Mm, I don't know. You're going to tell me. Well, in prayer, he mentions five times. He mentions prayer five times in all of Philippians. And how many times does he mention rejoice? A man in prison, a man who's been embracing weakness. I don't know. Ten times. He, he, yeah, he mentions it nine times. Ooh, rejoice. Close. Rejoice nine times. So he mentions rejoicing nine times while he's in prison. And I think that's just something that's so important. In Philippians 4, 4 to 9, it says in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. And again, this is a guy who's in prison, Paul, and he's saying rejoice in the Lord always. In every circumstance, rejoice in him. And let your reasonableness be known to everyone. As you said, reasonable. You always want to be reasonable, but let it be known to everyone. Let your kindness and gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The Lord is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Do not be anxious about anything. And you just say, okay, Paul, that's easy for you to say. If life was that easy to just say, hey, don't be anxious about anything, life would be a whole different place. But it's not that easy, Paul. But what does he say? Why does he say, don't be anxious about anything? But in everything, instead of being anxious, let's replace it with prayer. And then supplication with thanksgiving. So what he's saying here is go to God, start praying, start, and then supplicate. Ask him. Make up your petition. Say, God, this is what I'm stressed about. If it's work, say, God, I'm stressed about this work. I'm stressed about this. You make that petition to God, and then you say, thank you, God, for this work. Thank you for this life. You start thanking him for the things that he's done. So you're making your request known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. So the peace of God, Paul is giving us the answer of how to be at peace with God. It's how to get that peace from God is to make your request known unto God, to make that petition, to make that thanks giving to him. And then he goes on to say, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul is telling us here that the God of peace will be with us as we pray and make supplication and thanksgiving to God. As we think about what is pure and what is holy, what is excellent, what is what are those things? Those are God, right? He's telling us to just meditate on the things of God, the word of God. And as we do that, 
he says, as we practice these things of prayer, as we practice these things of seeking God through our request, then his peace, the God of peace, the Prince of peace, Jesus Christ will be resting on us. And he'll guard our minds in Christ Jesus, our hearts and minds. So it's like, how can a Christian, how can a follower of Christ have peace in this world? It's just that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's like all these things are happening. You can be stressed out of your mind and someone will ask you, how are you so at peace with all this going on? And it's because it's because God has a peace that surpasses all understanding that guards my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And as you do these things, as you pray and allow, give your burdens to God, you start to realize that he has a peace that surpasses everything going on in your life. And then that's when you truly find that you can be a follower of Christ and be at peace, even though the world might seem like it's falling apart all around you. And then he goes on to even say, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And then he goes on to say, for I have learned in every situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. So he's giving us a secret here. He's found the secret. Paul has found the secret to facing a lot and facing a little, having nothing and having everything. He's found out the secret and it's I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through Christ, through God who strengthens me. He is able to do all these things. He's able to be low. He's able to be imprisoned, beaten, stoned, dragged through the streets. And he's able to be abounding in a church preaching the gospel. He's able to do all these things. So Paul really in Philippians 4, he's really giving us the secret of how he can do everything. How is he able to do all these things? How is he so able to be at peace? He's saying, I've been giving everything to God and realizing that I'll boast in my weakness because when I'm weak, I'm strong. So Paul is telling us the secret. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. And that's really what I believe that Christians, if we put it into practice, if followers of Christ, the disciples of Christ put this into practice, then we'll be living a totally different life. We'll be living a totally different circumstances because God will be guarding our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And the worldly distractions are just going to bounce off because God is guarding us. And even at 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Paul's giving us a, a list of what the will of God for our life is. And he's been giving us a lift to do good and to do these things. But he says, rejoice always. Again, he's talking about rejoicing in every circumstance. Pray without ceasing. Never stop praying throughout your daily life and giving thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the will of God for our lives, part of it is to rejoice always. Pray without ceasing and give thanks. It's the same thing Paul brings up in Philippians. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, as you're reading that, I'm, I'm thinking about Paul and what he's went through and the uh, many, I mean, trials. My goodness, the man he was, was beaten with rocks. I mean, I don't know if I was pounded in the head with a few rocks, would I want to be uh, doing this anymore? I'm not sure. Uh, but he did say, it's not I that, that, that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. So he wasn't yeah. saying, I'm, I'm the man. He's saying Jesus is the man. Um, so Paul was that kind of an individual who filled with the Spirit, which I think is very important. And I think, too, that Paul, when he developed his faith, he developed it with God. He developed it with the Holy Spirit. He said, I didn't go up to uh, anybody else and to Jerusalem in order to talk about it. I, I spent time with God, and God gave me a revelation, and God gave me what I needed. And I think 
I would speak to people out there. Maybe you are a Christian. You've been a Christian for a long time. Um, I don't know where you go. But I want to help you understand that I, I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe many people within the church system are not yet out of their boat. They haven't come out of their boat. That's why, I don't know if you've ever done this, but if you read your Bible and you see what Christ asks us to do and all this wonderful stuff, and then you look at your life and you look at, a, at the church and you say, well, something's wrong here. It's because we love our comfort. So we get a large group of people together. Usually the larger group will be loving comfort. They love the world. They love their houses. They love their cars. They love, they love things. They love their nice vacations and all this kind of stuff. They don't want to be uncomfortable. So... Getting them out of their boat onto the water is very difficult because the large majority of them are in the boat. So you might be there going, oh man, I don't know. I don't have anybody around me. That's probably true. You, where you are, might not have anybody around you who wants to get out of the boat and walk on water. But that doesn't let you off the hook. You need to get out of your boat and you need to walk on water because Christ is dealing with you. So don't look for support within your church necessarily, although you could find it, or your family necessarily or you could find it there as well but look to the word of god and what he's saying to you what's he, what's he saying is he is he challenging you even right now or as you read your word and he's asking you will you get out of your boat will you do the unthinkable will you do what other people would think you're crazy for when you have to make up your own mind this will be between you and god not not anybody else and you might seem weird if you do step out uh, or odd, but I think that's something you have to get used to, feeling weird and odd. Yep. Because if you're fitting into the mainstream, even mainstream Christianity, probably not a good place. Because so I think if Jesus was here, eh, I don't think he fit in that well. Yeah. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, he breathed on them and said, receive my peace. This is quite remarkable. He breathed on them and he said, receive my peace. Because he knew how important peace was. Peace will come to them even though the turmoil of life is all around them. And that's why it says, and God will give you the peace that surpasses all understanding. You understand what I mean? And guards your heart and mind. Yeah. But it will surpass all your understanding. So what does that mean? Well, once again, we come to the worldly logic. You'll be in situations where people look at you and go, how in the world can you have peace in this situation? It's impossible. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going against logic, isn't it? It surpasses my understanding. Yeah. But I have the peace of God within me. See, you can develop it in some sense, but I think the largest uh, uh, amount of peace that you're going to receive is you're just going to get it from God. As you're following him and abandoning yourself to him, he's going to give you peace, and he's going to show you different situations where he's going to anoint you with peace that surpasses your understanding. I'll, I'll give you an illustration. I was a missionary in, in Hong Kong and serving the Lord. Now, I gave everything to the Lord. At that time, I just sold everything I had, and I was over there not getting a paycheck or anything. I had the best time in my life following God like that. It was the best. God took care of everything. I'll guarantee you, God will take care of everything. So one night, we're doing an outreach, an outreach banquet. And after the outreach banquet, I was in charge of the $50,000 in cash that was Hong Kong dollars that was in a briefcase. And the music pastor gave me his guitar that was given to him by his grandfather. He said, you know, take care of the guitar. It's from my grandfather. It's priceless. So here I go. I've got my 50000 in cash, and I got my guitar. 
I walked to the parking lot, underground parking, and I, I put it behind the van. And just at that time, I, I put it down. I see Pastor Stephen come out. So I'm like, hey, Pastor Stephen, we'll go over and give each other a hug. What a great night, you know. So many souls got saved, this and that. So we're just chatting, we're talking. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, man, see you later. And what do I do? I hop in my car and I drive. So I'm driving home and I get home. And I'm, as soon as I get home, I go, oh my goodness. I've left the money in the guitar there. I drove back as fast as possible to the parking garage. And I drove into the exact same spot, empty. The guitar was gone. The briefcase was gone. I'm like, hmm, uh-oh, this is really serious. I mean, the guitar probably worth more than the money because it was such a priceless you know, heirloom for the, for the worship pastor. But I, I'm like, oh, my goodness, what happened? Now, an interesting thing happened right there. I was just in total peace on the inside. I was in total peace. In fact, we went to the police station, gave a report. And I'm sitting in the police station. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm in total peace. But I didn't want the peace. I was so upset with myself for being so peaceful. Because in life, you're trained that if something goes wrong or doesn't work out right, you beat up on yourself. Because you're supposed to. You're supposed to feel bad, right? Yeah. I'm trying to make myself feel bad. I'm really desperately trying to make myself feel bad. You, so, how could you do that? And I'm, I'm really trying to make myself upset, but this peace was just in me and it just wouldn't stop. This peace just wouldn't stop. And I'm, I'm fighting I'm, through the whole night. I'm fighting this peace. And 10 o'clock that morning, next morning, I get a phone call. It's from the worship pastor. He said, hey, hey, you left the guitar and the briefcase there in the parking lot for us. Uh, we just picked it up. And I'm like, oh man, look at that. Yeah. So I had an incredible opportunity, and the Holy Spirit was telling me, I had an incredible opportunity to look like a king. All I had to say was, hey guys, everything's going to be all right. I know this piece. I know it's from the Lord. I just got to say, everything's going to be all right. And they could look at me and go, you crazy, man. What do you mean everything's going to be all right? I had an opportunity to say that and at the end come out the other side because I knew the Holy Spirit was just saying, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. But I didn't want everything to be all right. I didn't want to feel peace. So in life, you're going to be in situations where it's chaos. Something went wrong and the Lord is going to come to you. He's going to give you peace in the chaos. But you, I think, and you might not be like me, but I think maybe you're not going to like it. You're not going to like it because you think, I'm not supposed to be peaceful. I'm supposed to do something. I'm supposed to look concerned. I'm supposed to be frantic. If I'm not, that means I'm a bad person who doesn't care. And I want to be a good person that cares. Yeah. So you're going to be in situations where you're, as you're following the Lord like that, where utter chaos will break out, things will go wrong. But the good Lord's going to give you peace. I want to encourage you. Just go with that peace. Just go with it. Ride that peace out. God is giving you the peace that surpasses your understanding. Stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to understand it. It's a peace that surpasses your understanding. That's why you need to 
Take it into spirit and start listening to your spirit, your inner man, just saying, hey, 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 relax, everything's gonna be okay. What do you mean everything's gonna be okay? What about this, what about that? I don't, I don't yeah, I feel that peace. I don't want this, no, no, just take it. So Lord, right now, there's chaos all around me. This doesn't look good. I feel that everything is gonna be all right. So I'm gonna go with it. And that's the peace that God gives you. And that is probably the most genuine peace you could possibly get. Because if you're looking for your life to be unchaotic and all together, that would be what the world does. And, and God doesn't work that way. What he does work with, he'll give you a chaotic world. He'll give you chaotic systems to work in and chaotic people. And then he'll give you peace. So you let peace in the chaos. Yeah. Just like Peter was walking on water in a storm. That doesn't make any sense. So be prepared to not make sense. Uh, God says, my ways are above your ways. My thoughts are above your thoughts. So if you're moving with God, you've got to understand, it's not going to make sense sometimes. You say, Lord, what's going on here? But you're going to sense it. He's going to show you. These pieces are going to guard your heart. Yeah, I think that it's, um, it's important because we find that a lot of people find peace in the chaos. Not a lot of people find peace. Uh, the idea of peace in this world is, oh, I'm on top of a mountain and I'm feeling the peace and I'm feeling just everything's just falling off of me, you know, looking at a beautiful view and everything's just peaceful. And God's saying, well, look at Paul. I think Paul was at peace when he was in prison, being dragged through the streets. I mean, I'm sure he wasn't enjoying it, but there was an inner peace in him. There was a peace guarding his mind and his heart. King David, when he was killing Goliath, I'm sure he could have been fearful, but no, I think he was at peace and he was courageous and he was brave. And I think that we see it throughout the Bible where people are at peace amidst the chaos and not at peace when the worldly peace where we think that we have to be on vacation and have this beautiful, peaceful moment where it's just like everything tranquility type of thing. But really God is saying, oh, I'm going to throw you in the deep end, but you'll find peace as you're, as you're walking upon that water. So I think that don't look for peace in the worldly sense of saying, I got to be comfortable. I got to do this. I got to do this. So I got to prepare for everything, you know, look to the future. But God is saying, don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear. The sufficient is the worry for today. So allow, allow God to figure out the future. Obviously we think about the future, but we're not the one who God has figured out the future. God is doing the future. So it's, a matter of us just being at peace amidst all the things that are happening in our daily life and the things that are happening around the world, knowing that God is coming back for us. As Paul says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Mm -hmm. The reason we don't have to be anxious is because God is coming back to bring us to peace, the children, his children, his chosen children. He's bringing us into peace. So the Lord is at hand. So don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray, supplicate, give thanksgiving. Yeah, you said children, which sparked something that I, I looked at in the Bible. Jesus says, um, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. I never thought about that. I said, what does that mean, become like little children? And what came to me, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say what came to me. I'm, 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 I think it's correct, but I may be wrong. But uh, what do children do? They, For me, I, I see children, they play. They enjoy. They, they have fun. How does a child do that? Because a child understands that his father is actually taking care of everything. And his mother, you're taking care of things. 
He doesn't worry. I, I don't know. Maybe you can find a child that worries. I'm not sure. Maybe there are some. But I think most children, they're not worried. They don't wake up in the morning fearful of the future, what's going to happen, this and that. Because um, they're trusting that, hey, mom and dad got it covered. They're not even thinking about it. Yeah. They just know. They automatically assume and know that dad and mom, my, my authority figures, are, are taking care of everything. I don't have to worry about it. So G- Jesus says, you know, if you're going to come into the kingdom of God, if, you're going to, if this is what you want to do, you've you got to come like children. It means like a, it's almost like total abandonment of, of your reason and your logic when it comes to your, your, your fear of the future or whatever, right? This and that. It's like come to him like a child. So, Lord, here I am. I trust you completely. I know, God, you got everything under control. And uh, whatever's going on around me, you're working it all out. And uh, here I am. And I'm going to have uh, fun. Like, yeah. like Paul says, rejoice. I mean, have joy in your life. Have some, have some joy. And to be like a child is to be joyful yeah. in a way. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, when he talks about the love, he says love believes all things. And I believe that children believe all things. So if True. a father were to say that I've got this figured out and I'm paying the bills and I'm doing this and I'm doing that, don't worry about it. The child's like, okay, go runs off and does his thing and comes back at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's not for us to say, get caught up in the world and just have all the fun you want. God's figuring it out, but we're working for him. And as we're working for him, as we're doing these things, he's working it all out. All we have to do is just rejoice, have joy, be yeah. thankful, pray. And that's really what we need to be doing is doing the work of the Lord. But in that we're not stressed, we're not worried. But instead, we're relying on God like a child to say God is doing it all. Because, again, Paul says it's not, I've been crucified with Christ. It's not I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And it's, I no longer live for myself, but I live in faith in the, the Son of God, in Jesus Christ. So the life he, Paul now lives is for Christ because he has been crucified with him. So it's no longer us who live. It's Christ who lives inside of us. So then we're living with that peace that Christ walked with. And I know that peace, as I've seen, I've heard recently that Christ was never in a hurry. He was never stressed and he was never worried. You didn't see Jesus running around being all stressed, bouncing from one thing to another thing. He just said, as God said in Exodus, just peace be still. Just know that I'm God. As all you have to do is be still and know that I'm working things out. And I'm putting things together. And it's that trust and that faith in God that's going to allow us to have that peace that surpasses all understanding, even amidst all the crazy things that are going on in this world. So I think that those are some very good points. And I think that those are some very good things that I hope is going to bless all the people around us. And do you have any closing remarks, Dad? Well, Part of the thing I would like to, to tell people is uh, surrender is just not just some word that we use or throw around like it's, hey, I surrender. We sing about it in songs. We, we say you need to surrender to the Lord. But I think you should contemplate that a little deeper so that it has a more of an effect on your inner self. Is is letting go. Surrender is letting go. Because we're all holding, usually, holding on to something. But it's like living your life with the open hand, that you're not clinging to anything. 
that you're not striving for anything in this life and you're not grasping, but you're releasing it. And I'm not saying that by, okay, now we're just going to sit around and do nothing. You still do. You still accomplish. But Jesus says, do not worry about your life. So that's like a command. He's not saying, hey, you know, you can think about it. He said, do not. Stop it. Do not worry about your life. And he, but he did say, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's what you're supposed to do. So he says, do not worry about your life. But then you say, oh, I don't worry about my life and that's it. That's all I have to do. No, he says, do not worry about your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And then all the things that you're worried about can be added on to you. I'll do it. I'll take care of you. Don't worry. So it's not just one thing. Say, oh, I'm not going to worry now. I'm just going to throw it all on the Lord. It's no. Release all of that. But seek the kingdom of God. You have to start seeking. You have to start going after God. And saying, Lord, I want to know you. I want to find you. I want to be with you. And then when those things, two things fall together, then you will see the peace of God guard your heart. And you don't have to worry. What we do is sometimes we say, well, I'm going to try to convince myself not to worry, but I'm not going to seek. I'm not going to go after God. I'm not going to surrender my life like that. I just want peace. I don't the God thing. I'm not sure of. It's not going to work. So the two things have to go together. So when you're seeking him with all your heart, and he says, I'll take care of all these things. Because you're coming after me. I see it. I'm going to take care of it. So seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yep. And I believe that as we bring together a generation of people that will seek the kingdom of God, we'll find that we'll be, as God wanted us to be, peace at peace. And he said, Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be bold and courageous. Mm -hmm. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And Jesus echoes that in Matt, that end of Matthew where he says, "We're I'll be with you to the ends of the age, to the ends of the world, I'll be with you there. So God says he'll never leave or forsake. And that's what we have to live with, that he has commanded us to be strong and courageous. Why? Because he is with us. Because there's nothing to fear. When he is for us, then who can be against us? And of fear can be a very good master or a very terrible master. Like it can rule you very well. And it could take over very large parts of your life, if not all of your life. So fear is something God has de dealt with for many, many, many years. And it's, as they say, there's something, they say, do not fear. Well, like the fear, the idea of fear and not fearing is in the Bible like 366 times. That's what they say. Not for sure, but that's what they say. The concept of do not fear is in the, the concept of battling fears in the Bible that many times. Because God knows that if you allow fear to win in your life, you're not going to do the things he's called you to do. But if you allow for the peace of God to come in, then that fear that you have and that you've been living with no longer is your ruler because he says he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. So God has given us that spirit, the Holy Spirit, to be able to live not in fear, but to instead be strong, to be courageous, and to know that the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. And I think that that's what we can leave you with. We can leave you on this podcast episode knowing that the Lord is your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. And there's nothing else to fear because he's the Prince of Peace, as it says in Isaiah. And if the Prince of Peace is on your side, then who can possibly be against you? And as we close out this podcast, we thank you so much for listening. And we want you just to know 
that the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And feel free to check us out on anything else. I think nothing but Jesus on Instagram and on YouTube. But I hope that this has just blessed you. And I hope that we'll have many more episodes, if God willing. And we'd love to have you back here again. And thank you so much from the son, Jacob, and from the father, Mike. And thank you, Lord, for being with us here today. And I hope you guys know that God is with you wherever you go. Have a wonderful day and God bless you.